come on a journey with a cinephile. Wake up, sucker. We're thieves and we're bad guys. That's exactly what we are. bonus episode number three of journey with a cinephile a horror movie podcast as always i am your tour guide of david garrett jr and i'm gonna make this intro here be very quick because i got something very special for you here is that we're doing the things a little bit out of order is that this is my episode here for monday because my next episode is going to be the year-end list for 2020 so i wanted to have a little bit more time for that so that's going to be coming out on wednesday when i normally release my bonus episodes and this one is going to be a very special movie that is around the christmas season so i definitely wanted to make sure that i got this out as quickly as i could but it did take me a little bit of time to do the editing and i also have a very special guest on here so what i'm going to go ahead and do though is get you over to a very brief musical break before i get into the pre-talk of the movie that's going to be covered on this episode and as always, I hope you enjoy coming on this bonus journey with me. Steven Spielberg presents Gremlins. Billy Pelser has a nice home. Billy, is that you? Yeah, Mom, it's me. A nice job. A nice girl. If you're not doing anything this Thursday night, maybe you'd like to uh, go out on a date with me? I'd love to and loving parents who were about to give him you're gonna like this no 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 don't shake it we're gonna have to open it now won't wait till christmas the most unusual gift <laughs> he ever got what is it no it's your new pet come on barney be a good dog my dad gave it to me but there are a few things to keep in mind if you expose it to the light you may hurt it if you get it wet it will multiply all that from water they got wet yeah plain water and most important, no matter how much they beg, never, never let them eat after midnight. Because when they do, they change. They become clever, mischievous, What's going on here? and dangerous. Gremlins, huh? 
little monsters. Right. Hundreds of them. Well, I, I don't know, maybe thousands. They've been here too. Billy, what are these things? Where did they come from? Look, I know it sounds crazy, I know. But in a few hours, you're gonna have a major disaster on your hands. Gremlins, directed by Joe Dante. They'll be expecting you. And welcome back. So this is a little bit something special that I was saying in my intro about what I wanted to do here is that while Jamie and I were kind of just talking about some movies that we've kind of watched in the past and kind of how it affected us, she kind of revealed that this movie we're going to cover here today is one that kind of messed with her a little bit more than I guess it has for some people. And it was one of those things where I kind of wanted to show it to her to kind of see what she thought now and kind of deal with the kinder trauma that this kind of had for us. So that's why we are going to be watching Gremlins. Now, she is a little bit nervous and she's sitting here with me. So if you'd like to say hello. Hello. Now, what we wanted to do is to make her feel a little bit at ease. I was going to kind of give my history with this movie first, which is kind of a weird one because my dad had the sequel recorded on VHS and my sister and I would watch that one regularly and I'm pretty sure I didn't see this one until about probably 10 or so years after seeing the original and it took me a while to watch it all the way through and I think it wasn't until I actually got the DVD while in college that I actually sat down and watched it start to finish but this is one that would always show up on the movie channels and stuff so I always would kind of pick up scenes here and there I never saw it from the beginning so it always be like once either the Mogwais have already kind of multiplied or they'd already be made into gremlins and everything like that. So my first question here would be, what is your history with the movie? Like when was the first time you watched this? So I watched this movie, I want to say I was five, but I could probably be a little bit older, under 10. I remember my dad told me not to watch it and I was like, no, these fuzzy creatures are adorable. I'm going to watch it. And then it terrified me. Now, when we were talking, you know, before we even kind of did this, you didn't even realize this was a Christmas movie, correct? No, not at all. Okay. I just don't remember anything Christmassy about it. Okay, so that's going to be kind of an interesting thing once we kind of delve into that. Because, yeah, this one definitely is really Christmassy. Like, once you see it, there's a lot of stuff that kind of falls into that. The second one, not necessarily so much, where I think it... I don't know what time of the year that one is in, but I know it's in New York City, and I believe it's kind of in the summer because they kind of do some things where they can kind of be outside with it and everything, but that's kind of the big thing with that movie is it's a smart building, so they can kind of move around in it 24 hours a day because there is no... The sunlight doesn't necessarily come through as much. Right. I didn't even know there was a sequel, and <laughs> I, I, I didn't even know. No, I don't even know if I would want to watch it. Because what you had said that you watched this for the first time, though, in the summer. In correct? the summer, right. Okay. So it was definitely, I know it came out early 80s, but yeah. I was young and I remember sitting inside and my dad was mad because it was a beautiful summer day. <laughs> and, I re and I refused to go outside, so I watched this movie instead. Big mistake. <laughs> um, now, what do you, what, if anything, do you actually remember from this movie? So I remember, I think you corrected me, his name is Mohawk. I believe it's that, or it's, I think it's a. I think it's Stripe, I think it oh, is. Oh, Stripe. Yeah, I'm going to confirm that while you're talking, though. So I remember skinny creature, darker complected, with the white poof on his hair, and I think he had sunglasses on. And he was sitting on top of something, and he was just really mean to Gizmo. I think it's Gizmo, right? Yep. 
Okay. And I just remember being terrified of the dark after watching this movie. And I slept with a nightlight on until I think I was in 13 or so. Nightlight, hall light on, terrified of the dark. And my dad had to, I think he watched the movie so he knew why I was afraid. And kind of would come up and he's like, they can't get you if you stay next to the light. So I slept with the lights on a lot. Well, at least you kind of at least knew that, that, I mean, it's good of him to kind of relay that so that way you're not as scared. It is Stripe. I end up looking that up. Okay. Is that Because I know once, in this one especially, when he's a still a mogwai, he has that kind of mohawk thing. I know Corey Feldman makes a comment about it in the movie. Okay. And then once he becomes a gremlin, he still has that tough of fur, where in the sequel... They kind of upgrade that a little bit because it becomes actually spikes that he has once he becomes a gremlin where it actually helps cut him out of his cocoon-like, egg-like thing that he is in. Oh, God, I didn't know that was a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Now, do you remember the three rules of keeping Imagwai? Food after midnight. Yep. Don't get them wet. Yep. Something sunlight. Yeah. Bright light hurts them. Bright light hurts them. Yes. That's why the nightlight makes a whole lot more sense. Yes, that okay. was kind of playing off of that whole thing. There. And I have to add, this little nightlight that I had was a bunny, and it <laughs> had a soft glow to it, so it wasn't even bright at all. And I... Ugh, terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you kind of already answered my fourth question here, is how it affected you, saying that you had to kind of... You know, sleep with a nightlight. I believe you had one told me that you would cover yourself with blankets even in the summer. Yeah, so my parents don't believe in air conditioning. It had to be so hot and humid as it can get in August. And I would close the windows, sleep underneath comforter, and just sweat to death in my little cocoon. No matter hot, cold, anything. But because apparently covers stop gremlins from getting you. Child logic. We'll go with that. I think it's a lot of times that kids always think that, like, whatever you're afraid of, that your blankets in your bed is a safe spot. So did it, was it only at night that you'd get scared of this? Um, sometimes when I was home alone. So I grew up in the country where um, the closest neighbor was, like, not a half mile away, but we had a lot of trees. And when I would stay home alone, I would hear all the creaks and things. Mm. So I would just imagine that the gremlins would grow to be, like, six feet tall. And I would be afraid to go down the stairs because I thought he'd be sitting all relaxed waiting for me. But, yeah, so not just at nighttime, just when my imagination ran wild, which was frequently, unfortunately (laughs) for me and my parents. Fair enough. And then, so my last question would end up being then, so how are you feeling about actually watching this now to kind of overcome this kinder trauma? A little nervous because I think it's going to be terrifying or a little preemptively embarrassed because Mm. you say it's more of a dark comedy. And I know I vaguely remember the flash dance scene. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of also excited to maybe put this fear to bed 30-some years later. I wouldn't necessarily be kind of embarrassed by it because, I mean, I was actually just listening to a podcast actually today about how... Some movies are considered horror comedies that when you watch it when you're younger, you don't necessarily pick up on that they're horror comedies. Because, like, ones, I don't know if you've ever heard of some of these movies, is like Return of the Living Dead. You, we've watched that one together, yes. where, like, there's comedic elements to it, not necessarily a full blown comedy, but, like, there's a movie Fright Night, is that 
when I was a kid, I had no idea that there's like a comedy element to it, but that there is like built in like jokes or whatnot. So I think it's one of those things that if you watch it too young, you might not pick up on some of the stuff that might be. This one, there is some legitimately terrifying sequences. And I mean, one of them that I'm pretty kind of excited for you to see <laughs> is the main kid, Billy's mother, and its encounter with a gremlin in her kitchen is a pretty interesting scene. And I mean, they do some pretty horrific things to people. So like, it is creepy. It's not just necessarily like where, I'm not going to say that it's not at all. I think the one you watch it as like, like when we watch it now, I think you will see some of the comedy for it. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Maybe. A little <laughs> bit. <laughs> so that's all I had for questions. So let's go watch the movie.
Okay. Now, we actually have watched this movie now, and so my first question is, what is your initial reaction now that we have seen this again since this has been decades since you've seen this last? I feel like I see why I was scared as a child because of when they actually turn into gremlins, but I thought it was kind of cute. Like, I enjoyed seeing Gizmo, and he was adorable, and I would have a Gizmo of my own. Um, but it was witty and funny, and I could see why we. I was just scared as a child. It makes sense. Well, yeah, I mean, there's definitely some pretty horrific scenes. I mean, for one, just kind of off the like cuff, would be when the mother has to contend that she doesn't even realize they're in the house, and they come after her while she's baking cookies, and everything that happens with her in the living room and everything. I mean, that's scary. Yeah, but she's a badass and handled it just fine. She really does. Like, it's pretty impressive to see her handling them, and I mean, really the only one that gets away from her is Stripe, and that's only because he escapes. Yeah, and not like that, but I mean, he flees out the window. Yeah. I mean, she takes out, what, like, four or five of them in that initial reaction. I think it's five. Or no, there's only five of them at that point. Yeah, she takes out one in the juicer, one in the microwave, and then she stabs one. And then she throws three. one in the fire. That's right, so four. Yeah. And then Stripe is the one that's in the Christmas tree because he goes yep. out the window. Right. And I mean, you can also kind of see the comedy there. And I mean, a lot of that comes... I mean, a lot of that's mixed with horror where it's... You can definitely see things where... I almost feel like somebody in the like writing room was like, what funny things could we do to have these gremlins do that are like pop culture reference references or actually doing stuff that are Christmas related that they could kind of mess with people. Right. They, the scarves and hats and the one who had a wig and lipstick and earrings on, <laughs> like it, they evolved quite quickly. Yeah. And obviously we had talked about some of the plot holes in the movie. That's one where you're, they go from being cute little things to these evil monsters, gremlins yeah. with personalities and better wardrobes than I have. So. <laughs> well, it's also kind of interesting because one of the like motifs that is in this one and in the sequel is that when Gizmo's watching things on TV, he emulates it later in the movie because there's that movie where we have Clark Gable is in the race car movie mm -hmm. and then we get that where Gizmo obviously in the climax is driving around the little toy car and I almost kind of feel like there's not enough time to show that, but I think they kind of watch things on TV from when they're created till when they're like in that bar scene. Right. Where they kind of do a bunch of different things there where they're emulating things that they've seen on TV. Right. They would have had to watch a lot of TV though because they were, what was the one movie they were doing? Uh, Flashdance. Flashdance. Yeah. Like, when did they watch that one? Well, I honestly feel like, I mean, because this movie only takes place over like a week. If. A couple of days. Yeah, it's not much. But I do think that when Billy goes to work, oh, he leaves okay. them with the TV on as a way to kind of keep them distracted while he's gone. And, I mean, he, also, he of course, has, like, Gizmo there trying to kind of watch over them. But, I mean, they do bully him around quite a bit. I know. I feel bad for Gizmo. <laughs> he's sad when he sees them transforming. And uh, he's the cute one. Well, I mean, he's also kind of sad when he knows that they've multiplied because, like, he has that look of just like despair on his face from the get go because that he big knows. Old tear running down his cheek. <laughs> I felt pain. Um, so I'll actually transition this over to like the next thing here would be like, what did you like about this movie after this viewing? Uh, I liked all the hidden, funny things. Like those details, I think really made it because if you didn't have the details, you don't really have much of. A movie. Mm -hmm. um, some of the details went a little far, like the one girl's 
dad being in the chimney. Yeah. And I didn't really get why that was there, but you have the details of Gizmo driving the car and kind of his yeah. mannerisms, and it's easy to see how the story is connected throughout. Like, when you meet um, the dad for the first time with all of his inventions, and you see his inventions at home, a lot of those details I liked just because they were good touches. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, definitely for sure. I mean, especially it's kind of funny just, like, how bad of an inventor he is. And it really kind of takes him to go to that convention on Christmas Eve where he realizes how many people, like, are there and how many of them are way more advanced with what they've created instead of his. And, I mean, it's kind of sad. And we kind of talked about this while watching this is how bad his inventions are. But his family loves him so much that they're willing to keep trying to use them despite that they know none of them are going to work. And, I mean... And I think that's kind of the good heart to the movie is the love that this family has for each other is that no matter what, they're sticking by him and trying to help him and trying to, like, encourage him on to actually... But, I mean, we also talked about, though, like, how bad of a father he really is is that he spent $200 on Gizmo when they're behind on their rent because we get that quick scene in the kitchen the one morning where the mother is cutting up onions and she's crying and... You don't know if it's the onions, you don't know if it's because she's watching It's a Wonderful Life, or, you know, kind of what's going on here, but she also does reveal to Billy that, like, they're behind on their rent. Right. No, the dad, I think, is a great, I don't I wouldn't say a great character. I like the family connection behind him, because I do think you have to be able to support your family members, but mm-hmm. you can also tell that the dad's more of the dreamer, mm-hmm. and he's not very realistic, as you spend $200 on a creature... And you could have gotten him a cat from the pound for and saved the cat, but right. it just kind of goes off to show that that's a, but it's also like that feel of the whole community. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows each other. Everybody cares for each other. Yeah. And they all dislike the same woman. Well, that's one of the things too with Kingston Falls, where they live, is that it is a tight knit community, and everybody knows that like Mrs. Deagle is a horrible human being. Deagle, that's her name. Yep. Is that she's just so just horrible and everybody knows it and really the only people that like her are the guy who runs the bank and then he's afraid of her i don't think he likes her no but i mean i think there though is that she is a huge earner for them as somebody who has all their accounts with her and they obviously earn interest and everything from her and then going along with that is a judge reinhold character is that like he wants to be that way so i mean he's just an ass kiss and like so I agree with you. They don't necessarily like her, but she is a means to an end because of the amount of money she brings into the bank. And then, I mean, kind of going off, off something else you said, is a lot of people bring up the the darkness that comes from the Kate character about, like, how her father passed away. And I'm not even necessarily sure why they put it in there, because it doesn't really have any bearing on the story outside of the fact that she hates Christmas, and, like, for good reason. And, I mean, this... This Christmas is another reason why she hates Christmas because, I mean, it's the night that the, like, gremlins take over. Right. I, it's just a little depth to that character, but I'm not, I don't see the importance of it. Yeah. It just kind of made me go, what the hell? Because, I mean, she's in a similar situation as Billy is, is that it's just her and her mother, and she has to work, not necessarily supporting her whole family, but, I mean, it's just her and her mother, but, I mean, she's working two jobs, so she is, I'm assuming, supporting her mother as well because we never get to meet her to see what their plight is during the movie. Right. And I mean, there's also the funny scene is that the gremlins love Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. I'm not really sure what that well, has yeah. to do with anything. I'm not sure why that movie was the one featured. I don't know if Walt Disney allowed them to have it for cheap 
where they could feature it in the movie. Because I do know that Spielberg is behind it, so I know he had a lot of clout by this time. Okay. Because, I mean, he had already done Jaws. I believe he had already done Poltergeist. If he hadn't, it came out pretty soon after it. But he had done E.T., and I believe actually... We sell the E.T. doll at yep. the store. Yeah, exactly. So it had to have already done E.T. And I think E.T. and Poltergeist came out very similar years to each other because that's why Toby Hooper directed Poltergeist is at the time there was like a union rule where you could not direct two movies in the same year, I believe. So that's why he split directing duties with Toby Hooper because there's parts of Poltergeist where you can see that is Toby Hooper who did Texas Chainsaw Massacre and there's also parts of it where Steven Spielberg where you can see oh, that's where the family drama that Spielberg would go on and do, you know, great things with after that. I only watched parts of that movie. I kept laughing through it, and the person I was dating at the time got really annoyed. <laughs> so, we probably could add that onto the list of movies. We definitely watch, could. But I laughed at it the whole time just because I was like, it's a TV time. Well, interestingly enough, is Poltergeist and Gremlins is part of the reason why the PG-13 rating came about. And another one is another Spielberg film, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, is that... They're too violent for PG, but they're not scary enough for R, so they kind of created the PG-13 in between, so you could kind of have a rating in between there. Because some of these movies, because Gremlins is PG. That was my next question. Yep. Because I actually had a loophole when I worked at Family Video, is that you couldn't put on PG-13 until after, I believe it was 10 o'clock, but I could get away with putting on Poltergeist, Gremlins, and any movies like that. You would. And I actually got... Well, I had a customer complain because I had Poltergeist on at like 6 in the afternoon and some lady was like, I don't really like to hear children screaming while I'm trying to look for movies. And I was like, it's PG. She had a point, though. <laughs> that was just you being stubborn. Yes, and I could also put Jaws on as well because that one was also... Did they change the rule after that? I don't think so. they have a list of movies you were banned from playing? No, they probably should have came up with a list of movies <laughs> that I shouldn't have been able to play in the store. But I mean, once it got to, like, if I was working with a certain other male coworker shout out to Shane, is that we would watch the Rocky series if we were the ones working at night. No, I have not seen those either. Oh, those are good movies. <laughs> Let's just keep adding things to <laughs> Yeah, we've already added quite a few of them. I think we kind of already delved into everything that we did like about the movie. I mean, personally for me, I love the effects because being the year that it came out, they didn't have CGI, so they had to do a lot of things with, like, puppetry. They had to do a lot of things with animatronics. They had to do a lot with claymation for a few things here and there and stop motion photography but it's just so great i mean i've heard an interview with zach galligan who is billy in the movie about how there was a lot of stress that came about with it is that he actually had to strap gizmo to himself so he would be the one puppeting it while he was holding it at times I know that. and that's another reason why they do a lot of extreme close-ups when they're doing stuff with the faces is that they could hide it and move the stuff with their hands inside and so they, I mean, they end up doing a lot of different stuff when they came to the sequel that came out in the early 90s. I mean, it came out a, I think it came out in 90, is that it came out a long time after the movie. But that's kind of some of the interesting things that they had to do. But what I was going to say is, what were anything that you saw this time around that you didn't like about the movie? Um, didn't like, I guess I still thought it was going to be a scary movie. Mm -hmm. So I was expecting more jump scares. Yeah. Because those always get me. But I think the one time... I jumped from the actual movie was when Gizmo jumped out of the box being a happy self because I didn't expect him to pop uh, up. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other time when our cat slammed against our window trying to get a fly was the other time I <laughs> jumped. But I guess I was expecting it to be scary, so it's not that I dislike it, just I had weird expectations for yeah. it since this was the movie that 
terrified me yeah 20 some years ago so i think that was just it's interesting because the director of this movie is joe dante now that doesn't mean anything to you well he did a movie that's a classic uh werewolf movie called the howling which that one pretty scary like seasoned horror fans aren't going to be scared by it it's definitely an interesting one where a news broadcaster gets raped and then to try to kind of center herself she ends up going with her husband to a like hippie commune that turns out it's full of werewolves oh so like that one's pretty creepy and he also did a he did the movie piranha back in the 70s which was a ripoff of jaws which is kind of funny that spielberg is involved with this movie so like he did do some very classic horror movies but this one definitely feels a lot more like spielberg behind it because he was an executive producer where they toned down a lot of that where yeah you're not gonna get a lot of jump scares and everything and yeah it was more cutesy yeah Though, I mean, I did think it was a little creepy, the eggs that they were yeah. uh, transforming in. That reminded me a little bit of Alien. Yeah. When, and I remember that part scaring me, but you didn't see them pop out of it. You just saw the after effects of right. a lot of things. So I think it has potential to be scarier, but also I kind of like the fact that it wasn't. Like, yeah. this is one that I see why it was on TV in the middle of the day in the yeah. mid-90s where someone like me watched it. (laughs) (laughs) True. And I mean, I also think it's kind of an interesting thing is that they're showing Invasion of the Body Snatchers while they're doing that because those are pod people in, like, that movie, and they're in their own type of pods. And, yeah, you're definitely dead on there. They do look a lot of, like, the alien, like, things that the facehugger would come out of. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, and again, that goes back to the practical effects with how well they could do that and make them look that creepy and realistic. Right. I, I liked it. I'm kind of shocked by this. I finally have cured my childhood fears. My parents would be so proud of me. <laughs> we'll definitely have to tell them later today that Gremlins is no longer a fear and the nightlight is not needed to kind of get through the night anymore. Yeah, I mean, I really don't... I mean, for me, really the only thing that I have negative for it is the plot holes that comes with the rules. Is that, like, there's literally a time where the dog licks Gizmo and nothing happens when I'm pretty sure your saliva is a good portion of just water. Yeah, or when stripes neck deep into the snow. Yep. And we got into a little bit of a debate on whether or not it has to be liquid water versus a solid form. Well, I guess the other thing that I was thinking of when I was updating my review for this movie is, going along with that, I wonder what the body temperature are of gremlins, because they do look very reptile-like, which reptile are cold-blooded. Now, they shouldn't be going out in the snow because I believe like the cold kills reptiles go into hibernation exactly so So i don't know if that's kind of their argument behind it is the fact that they're not warm enough to warm up the snow right or maybe that's just something no one really thought of because they didn't think anybody like us would overanalyze it right that's (laughs) also a definite possibility that could kind of come from that as well but yeah that i mean that's just really my only thing and then i mean the second movie obviously makes jokes about this but then there's also the issue of time zones right because i even i had said what happens when we change our clocks like would that affect them right yeah daylight savings i mean that affects us but midnight's at a different time than the next night so does that matter or is it true midnight because that would get confusing well i mean i guess technically if it was going to come down to an actual like thing is that i was saying this in the like right before we started watching it is that there's trivia on imdb that cantonese the word mogwai means like demon or like goblin or something along those lines where it means creature of some sort so i'm wondering if technically it should go by like 
Chinese Midnight. So whenever that would be, because uh, that's where they originate from originally, at least in the name. And I mean, that's it all starts off in a Chinese like store where they have Mr. Wing, who is the old man. I mean, that's a possibility. That would be very confusing, but also makes sense as to why Mr. I don't remember his name. I think it's Mr. Wing. Wing. <laughs> is the old Chinese guy. <laughs> I started laughing. Mr. Wing was saying that we couldn't handle the responsibility. Well, that, I think that's an actual interesting social commentary here is that I think this movie is kind of delving into the fact that as Americans, we're really bad about actually, I mean, we can just look at it now in the pandemic that we're in and how long it's gone on for and why more people are dying is that we do not do well when we're given great responsibility. But I do like, though, that Mr. Wing, as he's getting ready to leave, though, looks back at Billy when Gizmo, you know, tells him bye in that adorably cute voice done by Howie Mandel, is that Mr. Wing looks back and says, like, you one day, I think, will be ready. You're just not yet. And I mean, he's an 18-year-old kid. Right. Given this creature that everything that happened because of it. Well, a lot of people aren't meant to be leaders and greatness yeah. and all of that. A lot of people need to be have other people to guide them so yeah. maybe some people would do better with mogwai i think i would do not the best all the time <laughs> because i need a lot of sleep and sunlight myself yeah so <laughs> i think that would be something where if you're going to take on the responsibility of a pet owner or being a parent or even something greater than that where you lead a lot of people you have to be able to take the success and then also the struggles that come with it yeah make good choices and i mean going back to the capitalism aspect of it i mean his father is a inventor who's trying to sell his stuff to kind of make money but i mean and it also shows that the little boy who ends up selling it to the father is like we need the money but like at what cost at what cost because i mean the damage that it creates in the city is astronomical i mean right it pretty much destroys the city at that point because of how much damage is like done with these creatures coming about and just ruining everything uh, good point. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's kind of one of those things, and, like, kind of something we already said as well, is that, like, his father's willing to pay $200 for this thing when they can't pay their bills. Like, right. he didn't necessarily need it. I mean, obviously, if he doesn't buy it, we don't have a movie. He, but you also have to think about around the holidays, people do extraordinary things for their children. He was yeah. looking for a unique gift no matter the cost, so that didn't matter to him. So I think that's why... Is that he would rather make his son happy right. than worry about Mrs. Deagle. And, and a lot of things with... People were quick to judge why you don't have that much money. You shouldn't be spending Fair. dollars on things that for this, but you don't know what else. He, maybe he was saving that. Maybe he had a sale. I mean, yeah. we know obviously the real story on that, but I think we're quick to judge what people spend their money on. No, that's... Like, I just spent a lot of money on a wedding dress where somebody else spent half that, and we have just very different styles. So I think it just kind of depends yeah. on what's important to them and... I think people go crazy around Christmas because they want to see their kids happy. So that's, I mean, we experienced I mean, I, that last night with my right. parents coming down for oh Christmas. Oh my goodness, <laughs> the most generous humans I have ever met. <laughs> but I think so around Christmas time and kids, you just never know. I get the feelings that he's not that kind of guy where he does this all the time since you're, they're having trouble with their rent. But well, I honestly think it's not necessarily that. I think he puts too much money into his inventions. Right. And I mean. But I do think he's good at heart, and I mean, that's why, like, I don't hate him. Right. I just wish he was a little bit more fiscally responsible right. with like, what he's doing. If we ever had kids, that would be something, if I really wanted to get them a certain toy or something, I would do whatever I could to make ends meet. Yeah. And get them what... 
Well, I, I mean, they wanted. Going along with that is that, like, exactly in the same vein as if I knew it would make my child happy, I would cut back on certain something. Watching. I, that, or I mean, like, or I wouldn't buy a certain movie that I really want to have. Right. Because I want them to be happy, and that would give me joy in our hypothetical children. Right. <laughs> That's true. Very hypothetical. <laughs> All right, so I don't think we really have anything else negative to say. I mean, there's not really a whole lot to say negative about that movie, in my opinion. Would this be one that you would watch again at some point down the road? Oh, absolutely. I mean, maybe it's our Christmas tradition movie. I don't know. Yeah. But it's definitely one where I would watch again. Not anytime soon. I wouldn't watch it every month. Yeah, for sure. Because I don't love it. But I think the next time I watched it, we would find different details that I missed the time before, like... How did the music start? Remember when she was yep. in the attic and the music started playing? And I was like, can she hear the music? Because I couldn't tell if it was just background music for us to or fill the was, silence. And then yeah. we go down to the... Um, to the record player. The record and they're player. like stereo and everything. And there were... I was like, man, it's so dusty. And then you're like, yeah, but there's footprints in it. I was like, it had to be dusty for that detail. Yep. And you saw stuff. I don't know if it's because we got a better TV. I have no idea because just to kind of preface what she's going from is that like I just bought a 4K TV for myself for Christmas and then I have this movie on DVD and I had bought a 4K Blu-ray player realizing that they don't play DVDs so I end up getting an all-region player that end up scaling things up and I've never noticed what she was referring to is that on the top of the stereo next to the record player is that there is dust and there are two footprints on it and there's even um, handprints on the wall next to it where you can clearly tell they stepped in the dust or the dirt and then put it on the wall is I don't know if it's I just wasn't paying attention other times or if like everything is upscaled so much that I was like oh that's a detail that I've never seen until this time right I mean maybe one day I'll feel nostalgic about this and be like when I was a kid I saw this movie but I'm not gonna go that far but yeah. I think it's just one it's a cutesy movie yeah and kind of go from there. Kind of going along with what you're saying, this is just a Christmas movie where I would have trouble watching this unless, like, I was required to for, like, a podcast or, like, something along those lines. But this is definitely one where I would watch in the Christmas season just because it, it has such of that feel. Like, the music is very Christmassy. Oh, it's 100% a Christmas movie. Yes. Yeah. Shockingly, I don't remember this from mm -hmm. a kid because when you told me, I was, I thought you were lying. I'm like, oh, yeah, it has one Christmas song in it. And no, it's... Yeah. All about Christmas. So. I almost wonder if you possibly might have seen the sequel. Oh. Because I feel like there might be a scene where somebody's smoking a cigar in that one. Interesting. Yeah, because the part of Because the that movie one's not Christmas at all. That scared me was when they were at Gremlins, someone smoking a cigar. And I believe it's the one who like drinks the brain serum and can start talking. I think he's the one and he smoking had a cigar. So maybe I saw the second one. It's possible because that came out in 90, which would have been on TV right around when you would have been... A, this one shows on TV a lot, though, as well. I don't know. My dad would have no idea. Probably either. not, because when we were talking about he was definitely convinced that it was Gremlins. I don't know, but the yeah. parts that I... It looks, some of it's familiar to me and some of it's not. So yeah. I don't know. That was... I don't even know how long ago. So you know how the mind works. That's Especially true. when it's something that terrifies you. Right. For sure. Now, since you watched this one and it kind of had some kinder trauma for you, how old would you say that you would feel comfortable showing a child where you know that it wouldn't, like, terrify them? Well, I think you have to take in the personality of the, the child. Because always someone true. like my niece or me as a child, it would, like, traumatize them. Jonas, maybe? He might yeah. actually like it when he's older, but I think it just kind of depends. But 
I would say 10-ish. Okay. So you're kind of looking at that, like, getting close to the PG-13, where, like, right. depending on their maturity level and ability to hand some, handle something like that is... Right, because even now when we watch Too Scary of Movies, I have a hard time sleeping. So, yeah. I mean, I think it just kind of depends on the person, but some of my friends who absolutely hate any horror films would find this movie to be terrifying. So yeah. I think it depends on the person, but I would say 10, and just depending on... Because if it would be our hypothetical child, I'm not getting woke up in the middle of the yeah. night for this because I need my <laughs> sleep. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I can see that. I mean, I would definitely think this is one that I would introduce to a child, depending on their maturity level, earlier than I would show something. Like, I would put this probably right behind, like, the Universal Classics because none of those are really that scary. They're all black and white, and it's oh. very subdued. They all came out in the 30s, and I mean, oh, okay. a lot of it's based on, like, really good acting and, like, set pieces and stuff like that. Like, I don't feel like... You can just slow... I think you need a slow introduction to trauma, or not trauma, to horror, so that way you don't have yeah trauma-scared response. I mean, I had a definite weird childhood where I was yes. watching things like Dawn of the Dead as, like, a five-year-old and, like, stuff like that. Well, I think with having... Your dad watched it with you, right? A lot of times, yeah. And if you're your parent or your somebody's there with you saying it's not bad and kind of laughing with it through you it changes things but yeah if you're watching it after your dad told you you better not, not watch it making it forbidden and then watching and it. then watching it and then being scared and then now yeah. you're in trouble for being scared it kind of makes it <laughs> <laughs> now you know how my teenage years went <laughs> makes a whole lot more sense <laughs> All right, so I guess my next thing is if you were going to give this a, like, number rating, what would you end up giving this? Oh, this is hard. As compared to every other movie I've seen. Or just, you can do it that way, or you can kind of just give, like... I would go with an 8.2. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> okay. Because I think it's significantly better than what I remember it, and I do find it to have cute things, but it also is kind of more... Of the horror side. Yeah. And then I, I just really liked all the small details that it had yeah. throughout. And I think if I knew more about movie history, like you do, you'd be able to... I had no idea what movie they were watching yeah. about the pod people. I had mm -hmm. no clue. And then you told me it. I still had no idea what you were talking about. I thought it was that movie. I know the actor from it mm -hmm. that they show on the movie. He's in the Twilight Zone movie, which I used to watch a lot as a teen, and I end up reading some, which I've never seen that 50s version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I had heard he was the star of that movie, so when they're showing it, I was like, okay, that's 100% for sure that movie. Like, I like movies that are linked together throughout. Yeah. And you, each time you watch it, you get one more layer of what yeah. they were trying to go towards. So I, I like that. I don't know, maybe next year I'll change it to a 7.3. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, I mean, it also kind of depends on what your mood is while watching something. Right, like yeah. we had, we started this before I was tired, before mm -hmm. we started drinking, so that kind of made it a little bit. It does, but we also had used energy drink to kind of flavor what we were having, so right. that kind of kept us awake until, because I mean, we watched a whole episode of The Challenge right afterwards, right, so I mean. That's true. Yeah, no, I, I like this movie's also expectations. So I think that yeah. kind of had it, plus my, my nostalgia for it, so. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, the last time I watched it, I think I had it at about a 9. I actually came up with a 9.5 this time you around. You it higher? Yeah, only because, like, I never realized how often they use the theme song to this movie and how they would just alter the tempo for it, where at some points it's kind of cute because you have Gizmo humming it. And oh, then... I didn't notice that till right now. And then you also have when the Gremlins are caroling, they're using the same song, but they have it more menacing and more sped up and more creepy sounding. So I think they took such care in doing stuff like that. I think that 
what we talked about is that sometimes you have Christmas movies that like don't feel like Christmas where this embodies that spirit for me. So it fits everything that you have there. Because I think this town might be in... I might be wrong. I know there's people that are diehard fans of this movie. I think it's in like Minnesota or something like that is where it's kind of set. Or not, it might be upstate New York where he could come down because he does... New York City is where the second one takes place. Okay. I don't know, but I mean, it definitely feels somewhere like we're sitting at right now where there's literally snow on the ground where it feels very similar and it feels Midwestern at times. It does, yeah. I would agree with that. I feel like we're both from smaller towns in the Midwest, so... Yeah, so it definitely kind of fits that type right. of atmosphere. All right, well, that's all I kind of really wanted to delve into, you know, with you on this movie. I mean, is there anything you wanted to say to kind of close out on your end? I'm just so glad I'm not terrified of it anymore. <laughs> I feel really proud of that right now. Well, that's definitely good. And then, I mean, I asked you this last time, but would you definitely come back on and do kind of something like this where we watch another kind of movie that either was from my childhood or you're from your childhood and kind of look at it and see where we thought about it? Of course. I think this one was my idea. This was your idea. We've been talking about this for six months or so from the last time we recorded, I feel like, to do this around Christmas. Yeah, so of course I would. All right, perfect. Well, that's all I really wanted to have on here. Since this is a bonus episode, I'm not going to do my normal kind of spiel and everything, but I do want to thank you for listening. I hope you have a great day, and this is David Garrett Jr. Jamie had already left, but we are both signing off. It had been a wonderful evening, and what I needed now to give it the perfect ending.